Okay, we continue in the Sefer Sha'arim Baktafila by Rupshimshim Pinkus. And yesterday we discussed a very philosophically deep idea. And the, the point was that we have to understand that the most important part of all our prayer is that although we may be suffering, or, but the greater focus should be on Hashem's suffering. And we discussed the philosophical challenge. If, if God is uh, so perfect and he's in charge of everything, he's so great, so why do we have to be suffering? And why should it bother him? And, uh, and isn't he too, if he's so great, nothing should be deficient in him. But we said that's the Kiddush. His greatness is beyond our logic that we could think. And he's able to do anything, even things that seem to be contradictory to his greatness. Because, you know, we look at pain and things like that as a deficiency. So it's a deficiency, it should not exist anymore. So that was the whole discussion we had yesterday. So I wanted to, uh, I referenced Rav Chaim of Olozhin and the Nefesh HaChaim, which you see up on the screen. So I just wanted to go through that a little bit and then move on to one more topic within this idea. And Rav Chaim asks the question, for in truth, we would wonder how it could be appropriate to plead in any way from Hashem to relieve him of his suffering and torments. As with the healing of the body, if the physician administers powerful drugs, or if the physician must completely amputate a limb so that the toxins of the illness do not spread further, would the patient plead to him that he shouldn't administer the drugs or amputate the limb? No, the patient himself has hired him for this reason. Thusly, how can he pour out his heart before Hashem to remove from him the torments that he's having? For aren't they the bandage and the life-preserving drug to atone for his sins? As the rabbis tell us, there are no torments, there's no suffering without sin. For if it wouldn't so, how using what method could the sinning soul, nefesh, achieve atonement? If suffering brings atonement, so what are you expecting? You don't want to get better? So what are you praying, Hashem, don't amputate my hand? Don't, don't make me better? And therefore, he answers, however, the purpose of the intention must only be as a lofty necessity. Because in a place where there is a desecration of Hashem's name, as when the community of Israel is suffering, when it is said of them, people say, they are God's nation, and look what's happening to them. Okay. While they are stricken and tortured, and therefore, People saying, where is your God? It's incumbent of them to supplicate it, to pour out their hearts and minds before Hashem regarding the desecration of his name and to do it only for the sake of his name. So therefore, our focus has to be Hashem is suffering. So again, as we're looking at what's happening now, on one level, there's a lot of people who are looking at everything that's going on over here as uh, really it's a desecration of God's name. Jewish people were murdered like that. Where was your God to protect you? And more than that, 
the fact that everybody, not everybody, but a lot of people are showing their anti-Semitism. And obviously, it's a hatred to Jews, but it's a hatred to their God, to our God. And uh, the constant, um, every time the criticism of Israel, every time, every time the UN condemns Israel, they really are condemning God. So, so we have to be praying to Hashem, not initially, so that Hashem should protect all the soldiers, but that that this war should end in a way that the Jewish people are able to magnify, glorify Hashem's name. You see, and that's the problem, where there's not a focus on the positivity of defending Hashem and the morality of this world. Okay, so this is what the real prayer should be. That there's a chil Hashem, but on the other level, he says, and so to the individual, regarding his own suffering, even if there's no desecration of the name in the matter, there is an, a place, too, to supplicate Hashem regarding the large amount of supernal suffering that occurs when a person has suffering in the lower world, as the sages said. Rameer says, when a person regrets, in other words, when a person is in, in pain, what does the Shina say? The Shina says, Oi, my head hurts, my hand hurts, so to speak. So even when an individual is suffering, Hashem is suffering for the individual. So you have families of over 200 hostages they're certainly in pain but Hashem is in pain Hashem loves us and therefore Hashem returned the hostages so that Hashem shouldn't be in pain for you not to be in pain that's got to be the focus and, 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 what, and what happened the, the pain of Hashem is incredible but how many of us are really thinking about Hashem's pain and that pain does not leave until the Jews' pain is gone. Until we come to some resolution with these. So it's not just we're fighting. The soldiers are fighting to bring back the hostages. Or to punish the Palestinians so they'll know never to do it again. To realize that every moment that there's soldiers there. And that there are parents and relatives who are worried about their soldier children. And that, they are, and that they're hostages. And there's family that's worrying about hostages. And the hostages themselves are terrified. And Hashem is seeing all his Jewish family, his children, are, are in such a miserable state. It hurts Hashem beyond what we could understand. And our tefillahs have to be for that, mainly for that. Okay. And then he uses... Explain the, in the footnotes, he explains two Gemaras, famous Gemara, uh, really the Mishnah and Tainus. When the Jews fought Amalek, and when Moshe's hands were up, they were winning the battle, and when his hands were down, they were losing the battle. And the Gemara asked, Is it Moshe's hands that win the battle? And they say, No, only to tell you that when they were looking up to Hashem, they were winning the battle, and when they weren't, they were losing the battle. And also you have, um, and that is an example of Chilol Hashem, of Chilol Hashem. Remember that um, the, uh, 
the world was afraid of the Jewish people when we left Egypt. And came on Molech and they just said, we don't, we're not afraid. And we're just going to jump in. So that's an example of a Chilol Hashem. Then we had, but then, uh, and then they gave the example of um, the snakes that were biting the Jews in the desert because they were criticizing the Mon, Moshe's leadership. And again, Moshe gets a snake, a, a staff that looks like a snake, and if they would look up to heaven, they'd get healed. And it says, is it the snake that heals? But no, it's, it's you look up towards Hashem, and they would be healed. And that's an example of individuals suffering. So what's going on, as it were? The answer is, the point is, mistaklim klape mawa. They're looking up for us to see Hashem's pain. As long as they were looking up and noticing this is Hashem's pain, that Amalek is attacking us. It's Hashem's pain that Jews are suffering from snakes biting us. So if we're looking up and looking at Hashem's pain, then the healing will come. That's like this. Not just looking up to Hashem. Not saying, oh, the salvation comes from Hashem. But no, they're looking deeply, stakeled to look deeply how much Hashem is suffering for there. And therefore, when a person is 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 mitzayer, he's suffering. And uh, and uh, one second, I just want to make sure I've got the place over here. And and he recognizes that Hashem is suffering. Okay. That's a, an important level that we understand. So let's just move on. I'm skipping around enough to do everything. And that's the idea we said, Hashem says, Anochi B'tzorah, I am with him. Imo Anochi B'tzorah, I am with him in his pain. Okay. So now he says like this, that if, if the person now feels Hashem's pain, okay, and uh, one second. Ukisha Adam ain't margish tsaro misoro. But when a person no longer feels his personal suffering, okay, because of the bitterness that he has over Hashem, this is the point. You're suffering, but what's the main focus? What's the larger suffering? Is Hashem is in so much pain. And when therefore, when the person does, uh, ignores his own pain because of the great pain that he feels for Hashem, that pain is the cleansing of the sins and he gets forgiven until the suffering will leave from him. And that's the concept of, as they say, sweetening the bitter with the bitter. Remember, when the Jewish people were complaining about the bitter water, Moshe says, Hashem says, throw a bitter stick in and to make the water sweet. Very unusual. Sweetening the bitter with bitter. And this is the idea of sweetening the bitter with bitter. Okay. So, so how does that work exactly? It's still missing one point that we have to see. But the, the idea being that when you're focusing on Hashem's pain, that bitterness that exists and you focus on that bitterness, that will remove your bitterness. But we got to take it one step further as he goes in chapter 12 and says, anyone who associates the name of heaven 
in their suffering, his livelihood is doubled. Okay, what does that mean? And the matter is that besides the suffering caused above, when he receives his punishment in the form of torments, you can't compare nor conceive in any way this current suffering above relative to the enormous amount of suffering above that he caused at the moment he performed the sin. Here's the critical point. Why are you suffering now? Because you did some Avera. Now, when you are suffering now, Hashem is suffering now. But guess what? When you were doing the Avera, you weren't suffering. But Hashem was suffering even more. Because you were not following His instructions. You were rebelling against Him. You were cutting off your relationship from Him. And therefore, He gives a good marshal like a marshal of a beloved son who seduced by wine fell to the ground and broke his neck in his body and is in a critical state but he himself doesn't at that moment sense in any way the threat to his life because he's drunk he can't feel anything or his father's heart and mind is greatly embittered over this when the physician set the broken bones and prescribed poultices and dressings made from searing compounds and now the son crying out from the pain of the medicine and though his father suffers at this moment from his screams and his sighs sighs there's no way to compare the current suffering to the initial suffering grief that the father experienced when the child fell and broke his bones almost to the point of despair over his life the father sees he's falling down the stairs. Oi, Gavad, look what's happening. Look what is happening. But the kid's drunk. He goes, oh, this is a fun ride. And then when they're healing him, the kid is screaming. The father's screaming, but the father was up screaming before the kid was screaming. This is the double pain. But guess what? We're not aware that we caused that double pain. So now when we're thinking about God's suffering here comes to that extra step. This is the critical extra step. For us to say, okay, we should really be focused on Hashem's pain more than our pain. The question is, which pain of Hashem? So we're saying the pain, and, and let's even say better as I used yesterday's mushal. Remember we said when the father has to discipline the child and he says it's going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. Because although it's a necessity for the father to discipline the child, and it will hurt the child, but it hurts the father. The father does not want to hurt his child. But now it's a step further. What did the, ch the child did something he should not have done, whatever it was. Now, the father or the mother has a pain when they see the child doing the wrong thing. But the child doesn't think there's anything wrong. So what's the greater pain? The child has to discipline, the parent has to discipline the child. Or the parent has to see the tremendous disappointment that their child is behaving in such a terrible way. What hurts a parent more? Dis disciplining? Or seeing the child doing something that's so not what's appropriate? That's the idea. So this is the whole idea. At the moment that a person does this, okay? The sin, and you're causing so much pain above it, you don't sense it at all. You don't realize your life is in danger. Because we know that Rishayim in their lifetimes, they're like they're dead. Man, Hashem seeing you, you're killing yourself. 
okay? And you can do an Avera that brings you courage, so to speak. Okay, so what does Hashem have to do? So therefore, Hashem has to give you some discipline. But how much pain? But Hashem had much more pain when he saw you doing the Avera than when he had to punish you. Okay, therefore, let's understand now. What's the entire point of the prayer? The entire point of the prayer is what? To remove the suffering from upon him, doing so only because of the suffering above that participates in his suffering. And here's the point. So now, what is it that you have to be doing? Obviously, you have to be doing tshuva. Tshuva for what? For the sin that caused the suffering above. In other words, what does it help? Let's step by step by step. Step one, we sin. Step two, Hashem is in great pain. Step three, Hashem has to send suffering to you. Step four, you're in great pain. Step five, Hashem is in pain a second time. Okay, now how am I going to get out of this pickle? Problem is most people are only starting from step three. Their own pain. Forgot about the first two steps. So what you got to do is you got to be smart and say, okay, why, why is Hashem causing lots of suffering here in Eretz Yisrael? Well, the Jewish people as a whole have not behaved properly. Everyone has to know what their share of that is. And that caused Hashem great pain. Now Hashem has to send these, uh, these terrorists to cause great pain to the Jewish people. If we're focusing at step three, then we're missing the whole game. Even you're going to say, oh, Hashem's feeling my pain. No, 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 but you got to understand why. Why? What started this whole, this whole uh, this process was my Avera. My Avera started by causing Hashem pain. So now what I have to do is I got to go to do tshuva on that Avera. So that when, and now what will give a parent satisfaction when the, he sees the child has changed and he's behaving? And then he says, you know what? I don't have to discipline him anymore. I can, I can give, I can be nice to him again. I can give him all his privileges. I don't have to take away the privileges anymore because he deserves it. Okay. So when we and that's what he means. His livelihood becomes doubled because there's two sufferings he caused above, and now he regrets both of them. You follow? So that's that's the point over here. Yeah. Question. Well, just when we pray to Hashem because we're in suffering for what it, for our sin, obviously it's obvious that's what it is. We should pray that He should help us. Correct that sin. Sure, but we not, have not we have to take away the pain. We should but, but pray who, for but who's help me correct my but, sin. Okay, good, suffer, good, suffer. good, exactly. But who has to start doing the tshuva? Oh, you, you, yes. Of you course. have to manage regret. Right. See, I know I've done bad things, and I have to change. Now, there's another part of tshuva that you daven to Hashem to help you. Change. That's the help, yeah. But you got to try. Of course. You have to come clean and say, I admit I've done something wrong and yeah. I've hurt okay. Hashem. Yeah. That is the first step. Yeah, yeah. 
and you really regret hurting Hashem. Now, if you don't regret hurting Hashem, no. if you're just saying, Hashem, just make it better, and I'm going to continue doing my Averos. Start from step three. Hashem's saying, what, what, yeah. what, that's not going to help. That, I mean, it could help. You know, maybe Hashem will say, okay, I'll let it, but, but, you, but if, the, if the kid says, if a child comes in and says, you know, I know I disappointed you, to the parent, I know I disappointed you, and I'm so sorry that I hurt you so much. And I have to change, but I, it's hard to change. Then the parent will say, I'll help you. That's it, yeah. But if the person doesn't think they're doing anything wrong, it's just, just, just help me. What do you mean, help you? Why should I help you? I'm going to help you so you can continue to do the same on Eros. That's the real point. It's thinking about Hashem's pain. It's all about the relationship that we have with Hashem. And that's the story, he explains that when Hannah, when Hannah didn't have children and she's praying to Hashem and the Gemara says that she had a bitter soul and she prayed to Hashem and the Gemara says she hurled words towards Hashem almost like, like uh, with chutzpah. As if to say that even though she herself was bitter in her soul, even so she cast her suffering away this is what it means. And didn't bother to pray about it at all. What does it mean? She hurled her words towards Hashem. She hurled her words of prayer over Hashem's suffering. Not her suffering. When the Gemara says, Hitiach, Dvarim, Klapimala, hurled words above. So the Pashib shot is, you, you're criticizing Hashem. She says, what do you mean? Everything in this world has a purpose, Hashem. What did you give me breasts for if not to nurse my child? So it sounds like, well, I want to be able to have a kid too. No, she was saying, Hashem, I must, I'm feeling your pain. That for whatever reason, you're not giving me a child and I can't accomplish my real purpose in this world. You must be suffering so much. Now, it's not always because you're doing a sin. Yeah, exactly. Not always, but something, maybe Hashem is testing us that we pass a test. And a lot of times, sometimes, you know, Hashem wants to give us something, but knows if we don't pass certain tests in life, that we're not going to be able to be on a level to receive certain things. And that's the same thing with Moshe. He did the same thing with Hashem. Okay? So now this all makes sense over here. Okay, with Navi. Okay, so th this is the idea of what we're trying, and this is the practical tefillah that we're trying to accomplish over here. So we still have about, uh, what, about 10 minutes now. Uh, so there's one other part. So, so far we're going right on schedule. So we close this. We don't need to look at the screen anymore. And now we just do the last part inside this safer over here where uh, we continue on page Kufnun Tes, and this is a little section Gimel in Per Gimel, and he says, and this whole idea is such a fundamental principle for prayer in general, and this explains now when we talk, when we daven, we say the words as if we're talking right to Hashem. Baruch Atah, blessed are you Hashem. Now the obvious question is Hashem is beyond any cognition we could have. So how can Hashem 
turn, how can a person turn to Hashem and connect with him and talk to him like I'm talking to you? Okay, what, what's going on over here? And, and we shouldn't think that since we've found the foundation of prayer, that we speak to Hashem in the present tense, that you know what? On the one hand, Hashem is hidden from us and he's beyond us. But on the other hand, we have some connection to him and we have a real connection with who he is. God forbid you can't say that. So what's going on? But the true aspect is that when we speak to God in the present tense and a person has some connection with Hashem, it's not because Hashem's greatness is limited. In other words, like we said yesterday, people who are great, you can't get to them. The greater the person, the harder it is to get to them. Right? What do you mean? He's, he's beyond. Think you're going to get an appointment with a very important person? It's, it's not going to happen. And if he does, it seems he must not be that important. Right? He, so it's not because God's greatness is limited that man is able to speak, to connect with God. But the opposite, the root is totally different. That since the true, the true aspect of Hashem, we couldn't have anything to do with him. Not in a, 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 a hidden way, not in a direct way, because Hashem is totally beyond. But because he's so great and he's so awesome and there's no end to how far he reaches, and he has no limitations, and he is Hakol Yochel, and he's capable of doing anything, so he can even do things that appear not to his honor and greatness. And the fact that we turn to Hashem is not in spite of his infinite reality, but it's because of his infinite reality. He is so great, he'll do things that great people aren't gonna do. And therefore our conversation with Hashem does not take away from our understanding of God's power, but the opposite. It adds to our hearts awe and reverence and enthusiasm of you now are connecting to an infinite being. And there, therefore there's nothing, anything too big for Hashem to do for that and nothing too small for Hashem to do. See, the problem with us is we, we think Hashem's like people. And people want to be so great that other people can't even get to me. I'm so important, no one can, only, only certain people can get to me. I only talk to certain people. And it's beneath my dignity to talk to a, a low life. But you see, Hashem, he's so great that nothing's too small for him. And therefore many people say, it's not, Rav Cook used to say, it's not so much we say, oh look God, you're so great, look at your amazing acts. Look at the big things you do. No, look, Hashem, so we're going to say, wow, you know, Hashem is amazing. He created the solar system. Psh, that's a big thing. Yeah, but he also co collect, created molecular structure, which is the smallest thing in the world. And the truth of the matter is, the greatest power comes out of the atom. Well, you don't see it. And that is probably the greatest. So just because it's small doesn't mean it's not a big act. And therefore, it's, Gemara says, when a, and the halach is when you daven, you daven, bending down. Fascinating. We bend on the word baruch. And we get up with the word Hashem. 
Why? Because the Pesach says, Hashem Zokev Kifufim. Hashem stands up the bent. So it's a question to be the opposite. It should be Dafka when we say Hashem's name, we should bend down. <laughs> when we say Hashem, yeah. bend down. Like in the base of Mikdash, when the Kohanim, and they, when the coin said that Shema Mafoyrash, everybody bent down. So it should be when you say Hashem, we should fall. But no, but Halach is when we're Dafking, Dafka, we say Hashem, we got up. And he says, and he says, it's based on the same idea. When you say Baruch, which means we're talking about Hashem's flow of energy into the world. And we think about um, uh, Hashem's uh, posture towards the world. We really know at that point, if we're talking about Hashem and how blessed He is, at that point we know we're nothing. Let me say Baruch. What Baruch means, you are, you are amazing. Baruch, you're beyond what we can understand. So I have to be, compared to God, I'm nothing. Baruch. Baruch. That means I'm nothing, then you fall. But when you say Hashem, that shows what, as great as you are, you're great enough to want to deal with me. And now I can get up. Baruch, I know how great you are. Oh, I'm, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. What, right? But now when he's saying Baruch uh, Atah, and he says Hashem, that is you're really great that you even stand me up. And and that's because it's okay, Kifufim. And that is why we're able to get up at that. Because that is really your greatness. That he picks me up and wants me to be involved with him. And that's a medrash that says a good marshal with Shlomo Melech. Shlomo Melech. So, uh, so they say in a, a marshal with Shlomo Melech, he picks up a worm, starts talking to a worm. So you're going to think, wow, I guess he's not such a big king. He's not such a big king. Who talks to worms? The answer is, you know, he's so great, he's so smart, we wouldn't even know how to talk to a worm. Take a worm, what are you going to do with a worm? Oh, they step on it. Shlomo says, no, the worm, that's what to say. It's not that I'm so big, I don't have time to deal with worms. I'm so big that I do have time to deal with worms. Because there's what to learn from the worm, okay? And that is exactly where Hashem is with us. And therefore we have to understand, it's not too much to speak to Hashem. It's not too much, but rather Hashem wants to. He's so great, he will talk to us. And he's so great that he's involved with us and he suffers with us. And therefore, our tefillahs have to be refocused in terms of Hashem. Remember the steps. Step one, I sinned. Step two, Hashem is suffering. Step three, Hashem has to fix us up. We suffer. Step four, we... Uh, and then step four, Hashem is suffering because he's causing our suffering. Step five, we say, Hashem, I have to focus on all the suffering I gave to you. And therefore, I'm going to change and that goes right to step one. Which says, you're going to change? You want me to help you? I will help you. So if we can understand, this is not the Palestinians. 
It's all, we've all, all, Klal Yisrael It's we have to do tshuva. And the tshuva is what? For the pain we gave Hashem when things were going well. And maybe the pain we're continuing to give Hashem. And when we change that, then we will be rewarded doubly in that way. And then we'll have a good resolution of what's happening here. Okay.